Blog Talk Radio. Loud Sound Productions. In association with the Sexy Witches Presents. Repo Nerds. The podcast where there's no such thing as indecent exposure. Restoring nerd cred, one geek at a time. Here's your host, writer, Token Tom Clark, and the head huntress, archivist, Elizabeth Catherine Gray. Well, welcome to an episode of Reboners, our premiere episode. My name is Elizabeth Catherine Gray. I am the head huntress, and I'm hearing a lot of air. Let me pause for a minute here. Oh, that sounds much better. Oh, that was the fi- sound file has a little bit of white noise at the end of it. But anyway, no, it ignore that. It, well, it does now. No, it, it doesn't. It, it it We're supposed to talk. I, no, there was definitely, it was still running and there was noise and I hit pause and it went away. But we can argue about that another time. So this is not about arguing about that. This is about arguing about uh, movies, mostly movies and television. This is the Repo Nerds, and it is an expansion of the Archivist Bets on Sexy Witches universe. So uh, welcome to the show, and thank you if you've listened to the Sexy Witches, and thank you if you're listening tonight. Um, we On the line, on the, my co-host for this show is going to be none other than Token Tommy Clark of the Necrocasticon and the Project Entertainment Network. And um, we're going to talk about a little bit about ourselves and who we are for our new listeners and old. And then we're going to go into a couple of topics. But our main topic tonight is about Italian horror and Lucio Fulci. And we'll get into why we are talking about Fulci tonight on a very, very, very huge news day in the United States. So <laughs> yes, it's definitely going to come into play. Uh, so first, let me introduce Token Tommy Clark. Well, um, welcome to Nepo Nerds, and thank you for uh, being my co-host for this show. <laughs> thank you, Liz. How are you? I'm sur- surviving. You're surviving uh, the whole net neutrality surviving. implosion today? Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Why don't you talk <laughs> about yourself first? Well, so um, believe uh, me, I have a lot to say on it. <laughs> For those of you who don't know me, uh, I'm a veteran podcaster, I'm a writer, I'm an author, um, I'm a journalist. Uh, um, I, I produce a whole bunch of podcasts for Project Entertainment and uh, you can check them out on the interwebs. Um, the Necrocasticon, The Curtain Jerkers, Three Guys with Beards, Defenders Dialogue, a few shows out there that I'm involved in, and, uh, and I got my first debut novella coming out sometime in 2018. And where can they find you on social media, Token Tom? I am on the Twitter. I'm at Token Bottom Score Tom. And I'm on the Facebook as The Token Tom. And I'm on Instagram under my dog. Oh, well, and um, you can also <laughs> find uh, the Necrocasticon, which is airs usually on Mondays on Mondays the Project Entertainment yeah. Network. And um, there's also lots of other things. Either you produce the Curtain Jerkers, which is the uh, WWE wrestling podcast, mm-hmm. uh, and you engineer a bunch of others on that. So we'll listen to Project Entertainment, some of the best sound on the Internet, as well as some of the best um, people on the Internet, including Brian Kane, uh, who's a horror author, and uh, the horror show, 
which is absolutely yes. phenomenal uh, for us head hauntress who loves dark rides and walkthroughs. That is specifically about scare actors. It's a great podcast, so I highly recommend it. Uh, and sometimes so- it turns into Brian Keene's The Necrocasticon because um, he starts <laughs> talking metal like we do on our show, too. But that's all good. That's all good. We love Brian. He's awesome. There's always room for metal. We'll be getting into some of that on this show, too. I'm sure, I'm sure. So I am the head hauntress. If you're listening to this, you probably know who the fuck I am. I don't give a shit, but I'm here anyways. I am Elizabeth Catherine Gray on the web. You can find me on my moderated groups, which are older than the podcast, the Halloween Horror Movie Marathon Madness, the SB Film Geek Film Circle, or Rogues of Saucy Station, which is my science fiction Star Wars fan group, and you can imagine that they're doing flips and cartwheels right now um, in that group. Uh, so, uh, you know, we're, we're lots to get over today because we've picked, Tommy, the busiest fucking news day of the season to open this podcast. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah, we do. But before we get into all of that, let's just remind people that they uh-huh. can call in and talk to us tonight. They can. We're live. They can. This is a live call in. And it, yeah, our and- phone number is. What? Six four six seven one six nine one seven two. And if you call in with Star Wars spoilers, we will find you. We will find you, and we will, you know, put an end to you. Just remember that. Yeah. Tommy, matter of fact, after this airing, you're going straight to see the movie, right? Yes, I am. Yeah. So yeah, and I also, you're right. Half of the people that would possibly listen to the show are all posting that they're at um, Star Wars right now. So they'll probably listen tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. So or or later on, later on, absolutely. Yeah, I don't. So really uh, yeah, neutrality uh, uh, got voted on today, Liz. Yeah, it wasn't a surprising outcome. It's still terrible and horrible and everything. You know, Tommy, you don't know a lot about my past, but do you know I've been doing radio since high school? Um, did you do radio cycle too? Oh, well, you know, so we obviously have similar backgrounds as we moved on. I have an FCC um, license to broadcast. Yeah. That tells you how old I am. No, I have mine too. My first FCC broadcast license was for my local high school radio station, a full 10 watts, which we had legally bumped up to 25. I met my husband working there. Um, so, and I did an internship for KQED one summer. Uh, so I've been doing radio in some way or sound in, in some capacity for most of my life. And so I want to say this all this time, I'm still saying to this day, fuck the FCC. How often I, I have had to say, fuck you FCC. You're off base. You're out of touch. You have no idea what broadcasting is about. You have no idea what decency is about and you just cut your own dick off. And I, I, you know, they never make the right decisions. When have they ever made the right decisions? They made one right decision because they were forced to in the Obama administration when they put in the Title II protections in the first place. But that almost didn't happen. We actually were going to – this vote was happening then, and it was going to get repealed during the Obama administration. And now here we are. We're still getting it. It's it's repealed anyway. So, you know, it's all about money. It's It's not not about anything other than that. Okay, okay. Put your flag away. Put your sign away. That you're walking down the street with. You sound like one of the, you know, the end is coming people from any post-apocalyptic movie right now. This isn't a done deal yet. This still has to go through Congress. 
Let's no, blame Congress, no, no. Even, not the guy that was making it, fun of nerds today. No, but there's not even that. I mean, there is comfort in there because and I knew as soon as this happened, which is also that the lawsuits were going to drop by Acme anvils on Coyote's head. And that's exactly what happened. The anvils went bam and thousand <laughs> lawsuits. Well, a, a few hundred lawsuits popped up. And not only and that. we knew that. Not only Go that, it forced Amazon to start selling Google and Apple products again. That's how big this is, guys. It, App, Amazon got in bed with Google and fucking iTunes today because of this. Well, they have to because they're going to be the ones that are going to be affected the most. And anybody that uses broadband is going to be affected the most. But don't think it's not going to affect the smaller level people too. People like ourselves doing podcasts. One of the things why I avoid monetizing. I, I, it's a conscious decision on my part to not monetize my shows. But I might have to, and that will limit what I can say and do on the web a lot more because right now I'm a lot freer and a lot looser than maybe I should be on some of this stuff. But that's because there's fair use and I don't make any money. But now I'm going to have to change my game if I want to continue this. I mean, I don't even know if we can continue this show if things go down. But good news, Tommy, is with these lawsuits going down, we, we are okay for the time being. It's not going to be something that's going to happen overnight. We've got a, a little wiggle room. The fight is far from over. Mm-hmm. That's true. I don't know, it's, yep. going to, it's going to take some time for this, but in the interim, don't, don't be surprised. If your uh, ISP decides they want to start tearing you, because they can now. Uh, that's what they say. We'll see. Like I said, the lawsuits are going to stop that for a bit, but who knows for how long. Uh, you know, uh, I'm already seeing it with <laughs> Verizon. Um, uh, I went to my Verizon store recently to return my cable boxes because I, quote unquote, cut the cord. Um Inside that Verizon, you know how recently they were all hyping about their Unlimited data plans for everybody? Well, let me tell you about those unlimited data plans. They now have two different tiers. On one tier, um, you can get the Internet on your phone. On the other tier, you can get high-definition video on your phone. So any video that you see on their standard package is not high-def. You know, it's, I, I, I'm also really, I'm more worried about people that use YouTube and, or, or like things like not SoundCloud per se, because SoundCloud's in trouble, but that kind of platform to, to release their music and things like Everything's that. Everything's in trouble I mean, right now, Liz. Apple's you know, projecting it, with, it, by 2019, they're going to be getting, doing away with music downloads. You know, uh, well, you know, the MP3 is already gone in the way of the Dodo, so it's going to be a lot yeah, easier. Yeah, because of streaming. To, yeah, well, and, and, and the company went under that service them. But, you know, they said they no longer do them. But, you know, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, you know, things could all of a sudden change. That With things like the FCC, laws like that can get reversed suddenly all overnight. So, you know, like I said, we'll see what happens. The FCC is the one of the only agencies in the government that decided they needed to exist to govern themselves. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, fuck the FCC. I've hated the FCC most of my adult life, and for various reasons. And you yeah, know, I, I want to drop um, a bomb. This is as monumental as the repeal of the fairness doctrine 
in the late 80s, um, which led yeah. to the birth of much of the talk radio, um, partisan talk radio and television that we encounter today. And, and, and this is a good segue, I think, for us to talk about the Fox and Disney merger, because that Fox merger with Disney didn't include the news. Um, no, it looked like it, Fox we talked spreading. about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on sexy witches, and and uh, yeah, you're right. Fox News is is being kept by Murdoch, which is actually the most profitable of the Fox branches. You know that, right? Yeah. 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 So he's keeping the money. Um, like I said before, I, I you know, well, actually, use your what was the phrase you used about the cupcake? Because I actually thought that was kind it's of it's a it's a it's a shit cupcake with a superhero. What we have here now is you basically have two organizations you can get your entertainment from right now. One of them is the mouse. The other one's Viacom. They are going to battle each other. Yes, there is still quote-unquote competition, but it's only between two fucking corporations, which leads me to believe that William Gibson was right all along. Um, The future isn't going to be wars fought by countries. It's going to be wars fought by corporations, and we're, we're witnessing one right now. You know, Handmaid's Tale is going to be true. You know, yeah. the five com- five people that own the wealth decide to take over the country, right? So yeah. five people. That's what's going to happen. Of course, I hope they don't have to go to the point where they're making us, you know, like spread our legs for the, you know, elite. So babies, what are fanboys is- crying about today, Liz? What are they crying about? Is Deadpool going to have an R rating? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Bob Iger was on the news this morning saying, of course it's going to have an R rating. 20th Century Fox is still going to release R-rated movies. I mean, it's not like suddenly all these movies are going to be, like, you know, sanitized. No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. (laughs) We may not even see a merger, a complete merger, of all the Marvel properties into the cinematic universe right away. In fact, the only thing they've got set up that can be a bridge for that right now is the Deadpool franchise. Um. That's the only thing that's, in my eyes, is a, a strong enough property for them to use to meld the universes together. Because the one thing that got the Marvel Cinematic Universe going so strong was the people's adoration of Tony Stark. It was the, the people that watched the movies. They fell in love with Tony. And he allowed, oh. and, and that's why he's in every fucking Marvel movie. Okay? I, I fell in love with seen, Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. And what was the thing keeping all the, the X-Men movies together? It was Hugh Jackman, okay? Now, he's done. He's not even coming back with Marvel having saying things. He's, let somebody else do it. He's come right out and said that. But with, with Hugh Jackman being gone, you're, you're stuck with Ryan Reynolds holding the glue together here, which isn't a bad thing. Well, but Hugh Jackman did say that he would come back for uh, a crossover if the and merger happened. This and morning he came right so, out and said that ain't happening. Have have fun. Let somebody else do it. Well, came we'll right see. out. We'll see. Never that. never say never. Miyazaki. How many times has he retired recently and he's back <laughs> doing a movie in his eighties? So, I'm a wrestling you know, fan. Uh, I know how that works. Never say never. That's for sure. Never say never. <laughs> I've watched enough soap operas to know you never kill anybody. They always come back to life at some point. You know, uh, even if it's in a different person character playing them, but you know. We'll see. I, I actually have a feeling Hugh Jackman might appear. Maybe it'll be like the Deadpool movie, or maybe we'll get a recreation of Hulk fighting Wolverine, which is my favorite comic. 
of all time. So, uh, you know, uh, that would be awesome. <laughs> you know, I would love to see that, you know. As long as it's Damon Lindahl's ultimate Hulk versus Wolverine where Hulk rips Wolverine in half and throws his legs three miles away. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. That's the best comic book ever is that fight. That's the single best. Co- I'm not a huge Marvel fan, but I know that comic and that comic book rule. So Do you know that comic book took four years to complete a six issue mini arc. Four really? years. That, yeah. Four years. You see, I read them all at once, so I wouldn't have known. So, you know, here's my geek card. You know, my geek card, the flag. Woo, woo. I have a yeah. huge hole in my comic book um, uh, and repertoire. I don't know shit about comics on the Marvel side. Um, we'll be, we'll be I read filling that orifice. Don't worry. I, oh, God, orifice. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, DC Comics I'm pretty good at. My mother was a DC comic nerd, so I actually got a lot of the Silver Age comics. First, you know, she had a big chunk of them when I grew up, so I got to read those. Uh, so I, I know a lot about the DC universe, but I don't know shit about really? Marvel. So uh, except for Spider Man. <laughs> well, I'm the Marvel guy. That's no. for sure. I'm a definite Marvel guy. Yeah, I know. Aaron Marie. So what's the whole purpose sexy, of this podcast? Everybody's asking themselves right now. To hear us ramble yeah. and bitch? No, it's that's not the case. That's not the oh. podcast. Oh no, we're gonna ramble and bitch. All right, this is a ramble and bitch kind of a show, but <laughs> we have a focused <laughs> ramble and bitch. So yes. um, So so what was our concept for this show, Tommy? Well, a few years ago, I was hanging out with one of my buddies, and I learned that he had never seen Escape from New York. So I pulled his nerd card. I said, you're not getting your nerd card back until you watch Escape from New York. Um, and that has led to the birth of this podcast, in, in, in theory. And the whole thing with this, this show is uh, Liz and I are going to pull each other's nerd cards on geek properties that we should have watched or should be exposed to. Um, this is the podcast where... There is no such thing as indecent exposure because our goal is to teach each other more about the stuff that we love. Pretty much in a nutshell, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, um, there's definitely, as a film geek, uh, especially horror, um, I had a, a period of time right at the beginning of the internet where I actually had a huge hole in my horror. Um, and uh, that was because uh, seven, I didn't get into modern horror until I was in 12, 14, 14 years old when I saw Dream Warriors for the first time. And then I suddenly went back and go, wait a minute, there's more than, I wasn't into slashers when I was a kid. I wasn't into Jason. I wasn't in, but Dream Warriors kind of changed that for me. I woke me up and I started watching the movies. So I ended up um, going back and my friends started schooling me on some of the older stuff, like Italian horror and things like that. So uh, this concept is to do the same thing. It's like to, it's, it's a mentoring process, but you know, uh, not necessarily the nicest mentoring process because we're going to call each other out. And actually, I think that my <laughs> nerd card pull is actually ultimately worse than your nerd card pull because we're going to do your nerd card pull tonight, but mine's much more egregious, right? Like, oh well, you know, yeah, what, yeah. What I, we would say yours is. I, I, I really believe. I would say well, mine we're not, is. We're worse, not going to touch but, on it yet. Let's do mine first. No, no. I want to watch one season at least before we start talking about that. So we'll, yeah. but we will talk about like that in the book. But tonight we're going to talk about 
70s horror. In particular, we're going to talk about Italian horror and early 80s, 70, early 80s horror. Uh, I am a huge fan of what's called the video Nasty List, which was a list in Britain that was done in 83 of 72 films. And these 72 films were, were banned in England. And if you had them in a video store, you could be rested and fined for, for renting these films out to adults. Um, and, uh, so a lot of the films that I love from this list, because believe me, there's some really bad films on this list. I mean, really bad films on this list, but there's a few important films on this list that should be seen by all nerds. And one of those is, is the director, Lucio Fulci, who has two movies on the video nasty list. One is The Beyond. The other one is called Zombie 2 or Zombie or Zombie Flesh Eaters, depending on which version you have. I highly recommend the Blue Underground version of Zombie. Uh, but Lucio Fulci's two, those are two of the best films that he's done. And Tommy here had never seen The Beyond. And his, his, his partners on the Necrocasticon were particularly annoyed that he hadn't seen The Beyond. So I pulled Tommy's card and made him watch The Beyond. But you went beyond that, didn't you? You even went beyond The Beyond. You actually ended up watching the whole Geese of Hell trilogy. Uh, among other Italian horror cinema films from that era. Did, did, you get, um, did you get Zombie in by any chance? Yes. Oh, good, good. I can't wait to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> that's my, that's well, my well, third favorite you, horror my film my of all time. Here. Um, I'm sorry? Let me tell you about my experience, okay? Okay. And, I, and, and this is going to sum up everything um, regarding Italian horror cinema with me. And basically what we're looking at here is Italian horror and fanboys, all right? Italian horror cinema, you know, it rolls off the tongue. It's sexy. The sound of it is alluring, but... Anything you put the specification Italian in front of sounds good. Italian foods, yummy. Italian art, spectacular. Italian designers make it go ooh la la. Um, much like the Italian produced spaghetti westerns, Italian horror cinema has its trademarks. And to many nerds, Italian horror cinema is a rite of passage, a library full of grotesque masks, melting faces, and eyeball-piercing gags. And we can't forget the obvious vocal dubbing used throughout any Italian film. Given the movie's another notable characteristic that borderlines on the camp. Mm. Um, well, creative but, persons you know, behind the also... movie. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I got a whole thing here, honey. You sit back for a minute and just listen, please. All right, <laughs> I'm, I'm chilling, I'm chilling. I literally just took a movies. shot, by the way. Right. Um, it's not shot. Jane B. I wish it was Jane B. I wish it was Jane B. because <laughs> that would be correct for Italian horror. But no, in this case, it was Wild Turkey. So. Yeah, I can't drink anymore, so we're good on that. Do, do a shot yeah, for me, well, too. I am, I am. I will. All right, well, the creative persons behind these movies, the likes of Dario Argento and uh, uh, Lucio Fulci, who we're talking about in, uh, later, um, built legacies in their films and left their own trademarks on the brand. You know, you got beautiful women, over-the-top gory special effects, entrancing soundtracks, and surreal framing of scenes um, that are shared among them. Um, the creative impact can be seen in the works of auteur horror director Rob Zombie and, and veteran filmmakers like Sam Raimi, 
um, just to name two of the most obvious to the public. Or how about, you know, Darren Aronofsky and his homage to Italian horror cinema films and movies like Black Swan and Mother. Um, but now after a near binge watching of a series of classic Italian horror films, I've come to a conclusion. And, and much like fine wine or gourmet foods are an acquired taste, Italian horror cinema is tantamount to be in the anime of horror and there seems to be three camps of outlook in this subgenre of horror film number one you love this shit and watch the movies over and over again number two you hate this shit and will never watch it again and number three you could give two shits either way there's a lot of shit involved with these italian movies as you can tell Okay. See, now, I don't Liz. completely agree with you, though. I don't completely agree with that. Let because me. I actually, no, because I, I don't love all Italian horror films. I love certain ones, like Zombie, for example, uh, by Fulci. But honestly, I am not the hugest Argento fan. I actually find Argento films very tedious because they have no plotting at all. Well, let me, you know, many of your associates fall into the first category in some way or another including yourself. Oh, you true. love the movies that you love for what they are. And I can appreciate that. And again, I'm going to bring up the anime comparison. It's like, you know, are there certain anime that I like and certain anime that I won't watch? Okay. It's the same thing. Um, now my wife is clearly in the middle camp here. I, I went to watch a movie the other night and she asked if it was going to be one of those horrible Italian movies again. She said, they're awful. I can't bear to watch another. They look so cheesy and they're just dumb. Can you please ask Walter and Liz, to let you stop watching them with me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I love torturing my sibling, my significant other with bad horror films. It's part of oh, my God. life that makes me uh, happy. It, it's almost ruined movie watching with me and her, okay? That's all I'm going to tell you. She almost wanted to watch Star Wars. That's how bad it was. She hates Star Wars. Okay. Now, I've watched the Lovecraftian Madness of Fulci's Gates of Hell trilogy. I watched Argento's uh-huh. Demons and Demons 2 and Inferno. I dipped into Fulci Zombie. I've experienced uh, the collaboration of Argento and Romero in Dawn of the Dead. And I've come out of it all ambivalent. ambivalent. I can take them or leave them. If they were a song on the radio, I'd turn it down and talk to my friend, but I probably wouldn't change the station. Um, they sometimes seem to be more style than substance, and that's part of my problem. I don't exactly hate these movies, but I'm not in love with them. Like, say I am with the Man With No Name trilogy. And I I think I'll use spaghetti Western terminology here to help me explain myself better. The good. The use of lighting and colors. They they work hand in hand, and the hues stand out, especially in Argento's work. You find his work to be tedious? I don't. I find it to be beautiful to look at. Um, I didn't say it it was tedious because of the view. I I said it was tedious because of the plotting, just to point that out. Anyway. And you, like, for example, I watched Inferno today, and you can see that apartment building as a trip through hell. And the sets reflect that. And, and for the most part, the production values in these films are pretty damn good, but only to a point. Mario you Bava's know, this, cinematography, I mean, not Mario, I'm sorry, Liberto Bava's cinematography in Inferno is astounding. It's absolutely it gorgeous movie, especially yeah. the underwater sequences are brilliant. So mm-hmm. They are. They are very much so. And you know what? I, I got the same kind of feeling during the shark attack and zombie too. Uh, they, I, I love was like the almost, shark attack. Yes, almost I love as so if you loved it. I, the the underwater photography was better than the actual regular photography. But you know, sometimes that's how, how it is. Now the sets are all I'm, spot on and creepy in these movies when they need to be. The actors are mostly pretty boys that seem to have come from another school of acting. 
Um, they all look <laughs> like underwear models. They really do. <laughs> the actresses utilize, you know, especially Catherine McCall, um, were outstanding. Or Katarina, or whatever you want to call her, Katol, McCall. Yeah, Catherine McCall. But, she's a, a, one of Fulci's best actresses, and she comes up in three of his movies and two of his Yeah, and it happens movies. to be the, the, the trilogy. Now, yeah. you're outstanding, or at least it's window dressing if you're a person that's got a thing for boobies. You're coming to the right place when you want to watch these, okay? Um, and it's also worth noting the music sucks you in, and you know you're watching an Italian horror film based on the music alone. And Goblin stands out in the Argento films, and you can hear it. its influence on modern bands like Lacuna Coil. Now, here's the bad. The sound editing of these films is atrocious, as, if they were, as, as they are in many spaghetti westerns. They almost do a better job of dubbing Godzilla movies, which surprises me. Okay? Um, the writing and editing are also pretty horrible in many Italian horror films. You're talking about Argento and plotting. Okay? That's it, just rampant through even these Fulci movies. Um, Gates of Hell trilogy is the most uneven, loosely linked trilogy of films ever in regards of quality of movies in the selection. Because House by the Cemetery is especially annoying and a glaring example of a perfect marriage of bad traits I mentioned. Bob! Dr. Freudstein? Come on, really? Uh, the Dex Climax uh, uh, is one of the worst in cinema history, and the movie as a whole is reminiscent of a blind date gone horribly wrong, complete with the bad sex. Okay. <laughs> Now, the Beyond stands out as being the most coherent of the lot, though it's often, it's not without its faults and illogical jumps in narratives, and its twist ending is foreshadowed nicely in the film's prologue. I'll give it that. Um, I love now, the ending, the, by the way. Yeah, well, it, it's, it's, it's been used since then. You know, the people in the painting. Uh, the Void stole it this year. The Void ended exactly like the Beyond this year. Yes, it and did. And the Void was a big film this year. So. Now, now, lucky us, ugly isn't contagious. Otherwise, all these Italian movies would be quarantined. Okay. Um, the cast and makeup aren't the best in any Italian horror movie. I'm sorry. Um, in City of the Dead, the zombified demon Joe, uh, the plumber, his mask is the only thing zombie about him. He, he resembles a person who used to use too much makeup before going to the club, and you can see their tan line on their chin. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. All right. It's also like he's only put the mask on him and said, ah, fuck it all, like a honey badger. Um, Joe's introduction in of itself is comical and comes across like a 70s porno plumber fantasy. Bow chicka bow wow. Especially after the lights, after he lights up a smoke in the house and offers McCall one. And I have to ask, is every face melting special effect done with wax, peroxide, and vinegar? I, I actually, a lot of people love the sequence. It's a very famous sequence in Studio Living Dead where the girl bleeds out her eyeballs and eventually yes, but here's the thing. Here's girl the guts thing. out. It's not that well executed. It's actually of all the makeup It was jobs done in better in Devil's movie, Rain, Liz. And I just can't well, believe Devil's I said Rain, that. Devil's well, Rain did like something better than another movie. Devil's <laughs> Rain did the first movie of all time. Why is Ripper so Flake Flash in every Italian movie obviously cherry jello? Maybe strawberry or watermelon, but I'm betting it's fucking cherry. Okay. And who owns Maggot Farm they all use? Well, the maggots are awesome. I love the maggots. <laughs> and, and, and I love Fulci. The one thing I like about Fulci's movies, whether you like the plotting or not, is similar to Ar- Argento is very polished, very beautiful, uses the spectrum of Technicolor, shoots in Technicolor, by the way. Uh, Suspirio yeah. is one of the last films in history shot in Technicolor, and it looks like it, too. It's gorgeous. The 4K transfer was amazing this year. Um, 
Fulci is the opposite of that. He is grimy. He is dirty. You can see the sweat, especially in the Beyond. The Beyond has that New or even though not all of it was shot in New Orleans, but it still has what we call that Tom Robbins called the Great Humping Beast, which is the humidity that sits in the air and kind of oppresses everything. And I think right. the Beyond captures that, and the atmosphere is excellent. All right, makeup. Makeup okay, can well, be hit or miss. Uh, you don't like the bleeding out of out of his eyeballs, but and no, I doesn't like the bleeding out of the eyeballs. I'm talking the mask at, after all that is done that he wears. You can see where it stops on his fucking chin, on his neck. Yeah, you got to remember the guy who did the makeup job though, uh, and he, I can't think of his name right now. I can look him up. Uh, he was rather brilliant though, he, and for what budget he was given, care for a smoke, Liz. Care for oh, a smoke? I'm Joe the plumber. For... Okay, let's put City of the Living Dead aside, and I want to go and focus on makeup that he did work on, and that was in sub uh, that works better. So zombie flesh eaters or zombie zombie two. Uh, there's two. Uh, first of all, the makeup in that movie, I think, uh, considering he had non-existent budget, all the zombies look like corpses, and I always appreciated how good they look, and of course. Okay, so how did you feel about the eyeball scene, the famous eye gouge, the eye gouge to end all eye gouges, the one that influenced every eye gouge after that? What do you feel about that scene? I always like that scene. I think it holds up even to this day. Uh, I, I, I saw two of them in three days because there's one in uh, the one that you mentioned. There's one in was it? It wasn't um, in Zombie. There's another cemetery. one. The yeah, zombie there's, there's... one is the one in particular I'm talking about because if you watch it, first of all, it's really slow, which I've always thought was awesome because yeah, she's like, ah! thing I don't like about right? these. But if you watch the end, somehow he got it to splinter and go sideways before it actually goes through her eye. It's the only time I've ever seen something like that happen. And she's doing it in camera. It's an in-camera effect. So uh, I I still think that, you know, that there's some ex- – the problem with Vulture is, is that, no, their films aren't coherent. None of his films are coherent. Very few of them are. But there's moments in his movies that are of brilliance that just kind of throw you off guard, like the eye gouge and zombie or zombie versus shark or, let's see, or in the beyond. There's a lot of amazing moments in beyond, actually, uh, like the girl getting her head blown off, which was what got it on the video nasty list, by the way. Uh, you know, and, and she was annoying enough. To watch her head explode was kind of pleasurable. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, talk about creepy kids. That's the other thing about Fulci movies I don't like is all the kids in Fulci movies are assholes. All of them. Bob. 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 Where's Bob? Bob. Where's Bob? (laughs) Bob. All the kids are assholes. The boyfriends are assholes. I'm going to say this about these Italian horror movies. I'm glad I took this challenge from you guys. I'm glad I watched them, and I'll tell you why. Because I'm better educated after watching these films. Now I get where Aronofsky, Zombie, and Raimi come from. And what tickles me is what each of these creators has taken from these movies, much like the uh, public appeal or disregard of the product. Um, Aronofsky has gone the surreal route, making movies that make uh, seem to make no sense on the surface, but are full of substance hidden under the style, whereas these movies are often more style than substance. Um, whereas Aronofsky has gone the way of aesthetics, what do Rob Zombie and Sam Amy, 
Raimi emulate in their films? The ugly, the fucking ugly, the bad makeup and the shoddy effects, except the difference is Raimi is only inspired by it, and he improved upon it, especially with The Evil Dead. But Zombie straight up copies it, and that's why I think his movies failed to reach a larger audience. Raimi and Aronofsky are bigger because they learned how to use their inspiration to look outside the box, and I think Zombie is stuck inside the box. Well, but you got to also think with this Raimi is a contemporary of Fulci. Both of, remember, the Evil Dead was also on the video Nazi list. So they're actually evolving together. So they're watching each other's movies. You got to think of it that way. Uh, you know, uh, Zombie is coming out as, as an, you know, like our, he's our age, right? So he's coming back at like as a film historian and, you know, being influenced where Raimi is really like innovating at the same time Fulci is. So it's a little bit different issue. Right. Right. So overall, I, I thank you for the challenge. I'm glad I watched these movies. Next week, we're going to talk about what you got to start watching. And well, I'm going to be telling next you guys week. next week why. Not next week. We're going to take a hiatus because of the holidays. I have to take a hiatus because of the holidays. Okay. But we'll come back show. in January the next show. on the next show. And that will give me time because, yes, I do. But I want to ask you before we move off of Italian horror and, and talk about what I'm going to do next. Uh, of the f- films that you watched, which one was your favorite? If you had to recommend one, like someone twisted your arm, which one would you show? I usually answer zombies. That's usually my answer. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with zombie. Uh, The Beyond has its moments. Just in my mind. The the one moment that loses me in in The Beyond, even though I appreciate most of the movie, is there's the sequence with some tarantulas. And I'm not afraid of spiders. And those tarantulas in particular are really, really stupid looking, even though they do get an eyeball out of a corpse. Uh, so you can tell which ones are on sticks. Oh man, it's they're awful, and so I, I actually it loses a point for me for that. But zombie, I think, even though it's a little slow paced, is uh, mm-hmm. is my favorite. It, it it moves on. Now, which one would you never like want to see again? I know which my answer is, but um, mine's City of the I, Dead right now. See, mine's House of the Cemetery, but. Yeah, you know, honestly, House of Cemetery and City of Living Dead, I honestly don't remember which plot is which on those films because they're so similar. They even shoot, I think, in the same house. Uh, you know, so it's really... Yeah, City of Living Dead's awful. Yeah, no, uh, House of Cemetery's got bizarre. stuff going on. Yeah. Um, so, um, so my challenge to you, dear listeners, is, and to Liz... Is because I, I learned out the other day that Liz has never watched Battlestar Galactica. The fuck, Liz? Uh, the modern one, not the original. I watched the, yes, the, the modern one uh, religiously first one. So, but I was okay, also so a I'm pulling your nerd time. card. Pulling your nerd card. Yeah, we no. start watching this together. Okay. Yeah. No, I've never seen Battlestar Galactica, the modern one. I've never seen an episode. I've never seen an episode from beginning to end. I've Your challenge moments. before the next episode of this podcast is to only watch the original miniseries, the standalone three-hour sci-fi event that rebooted the original show and then led to okay. the actual series. That's all I want you to watch first. Okay. And okay, we will I talk about that. that one 
on the next episode of this. Okay? Yeah, so, so that's, that's going to be your launch. We have to point. talk about, like, we just actually, before we go, um, first of all, I wanted to, we should talk about, is there anything you would like to declare that we should pull geek cards for future episodes so the people listening know what to listen for? Is there anything that you think you need to watch for this show? Do I think I need to watch for this show? I, I mm-hmm. don't know. <laughs> you guys are, are skilled at pulling out what I have not seen. Yeah, well, I, I definitely agree with you about Star Galactica. I, I know that you keep saying it doesn't exist, but I'm going to still say I need to pull your card for Street Trash, which is one of my what favorite is this movie that Is it Shazam? Is, 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 is there a uh, Sinbad? Is he in Street Trash? Because no, I'll be honest no, with you, I never heard of this fucking movie until this summer. Well, you know that's because your nerd card has got some has uh, got some punches in it. We need to fill up. You know, uh, you know, it looks like a, a train ticket. It doesn't look like a nerd card. So, street trash though is is important because Jennifer Aspinall did the makeup effects for that movie. Who I had on my interview on Sexy Witches. I, she was my number one interview, and I stalked her till I got it. Uh, and she also did the makeup for uh, Toxic Avenger for Trauma. So she's actually pretty famous. So that's the reason to watch Street Trash. But you don't believe that. You don't believe it exists. So you're not going to no, play this game. Well, I'm not going to watch it. Trash. Even though Shudder just dropped it. So you can watch it on Shudder now. Uh, best Penis Evisceration. Better Than I Spit on Your Grave. Which is also on the video not to list, by the way. Uh, you know, so I, I, is the I best love Penis Evisceration. Yeah. Well, we can do an entire episode about penis eviscerations, but I think I'll save that for the sexy witches because that would be great. I would probably even call the Soskas in for that one because they did an entire episode of the core on Shudder about penis evisceration. So uh, wow. I would probably. Okay. Sosk- okay. I'm cringing Sosk- right now. I'm cringing. That's <laughs> not for this show. That's sexy witches. I got to get out of here and go see Star Wars. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about uh, real quick because it's 1040. We're going to leave in a few minutes and then you can go see Star Wars. But it is Christmas and Yule and Hanukkah, by the way. So happy, happy Hanukkah. Yule, happy Hanukkah, happy Saturnalia, uh, you know, and all that stuff. Because, uh, you know, you and I are also pagans, but I married a Jew, so I celebrate a lot of holidays, which is kind of fun this time of year. And it's a birthday. That's why if you hear people in the background, there's a party in my house right now. Right. And I'm not invited. But I wanted to talk about unusual Christmas specials that geeks should know about, okay? Not necessarily geek horror movies, but like the... Like more unusual things to watch during Christmas and well, why don't you give yours, some of yours first, and then I'll well, talk about mine. For, well, first, and most people listening to the show probably already knows, I would recommend the foreign film Rare Exports, which is in uh, I believe it's Norwegian. Is that right? I forget uh, which I country so. it's from. Uh, but uh, it's a it's a Krampus type Santa type horror film. Uh, even though it's much more interesting than that, it is one of the more fun films. It, for a while, it was uh, when I watched it the year it came out. It was an A plus film. It ended up settling to be a B plus film for me. But it uh, it is a really fun time. And if you want to watch a good horror film, I would recommend that. But when it comes to specials. Rankin and Bass did a, uh, did one of my favorite soft animation films, 
And a lot of people have missed it, but you saw it, Tommy. You said you knew about it because you are from the world of Frank L. Baum. You want to talk about the life and adventures of Santa Claus. Yeah, or as I call it, the Pagan Santa Claus special. I love that yep. show. Um, and uh, what you don't, many of you don't know is that I live right outside. I mean, my mom lives right in the village where Frank L. Baum's from, Chittenango, New York. The Life of Adventures of, of Santa Claus is one of my favorite Rankin and Bass. Yes, because it's, it's about how Santa Claus got his immortality. And it goes into, like, the Fae and how they saved him. But also, it's an overall, overall a good story because it's based on the Frank L. Baum book, which, of course, he wrote Prisoner of Oz, as Tommy would be able to attest to. Uh, so it's a little darker. Um, it has some great songs in it. I think it's some of the best songs that um, come in a, in a Rankin and Bass movie outside of mm-hmm. The Hobbit and Return of the King, which are my two favorite, have two of my favorite songs ever. Uh, but, um, uh, but you know, I would highly recommend that. Um, there's also another soft animation out of Japan that came out, and it is a lot of people don't realize that the Nutcracker actually has a backstory. And a lot of people don't know. It's called the Magic Nut. The Magic Nut is uh, it's about how the Rat King trapped <laughs> the Nutcracker into a wall. It turned him into a Nutcracker by cracking the Magic Nut. It literally, that's what it is. Uh, they did a, a, a Nutcracker suite in Japan in the early '80s in stop animation. It is totally, and it's actually the backstory. Uh, it, it shows the backstory of how the crack, Nutcracker came to be and how Claire eventually breaks the spell. Totally bizarre totally weird uh, and Sanrio is all over it like there's this huge stop animation dream sequence with Hello Kitty everywhere um, and I highly recommend it because it's totally warped totally dark and totally weird so look for the stop animation Nutcracker from the early 80s so, all right, so do you have any my holiday treats um, it goes without saying that in my 50 years I've seen quite a few holiday specials now uh, when I was younger witnessing the CBS special animation come to life spiraling across the screen like a rainbow in the 70s and 80s brought my heart to my chest and smiled to my face my mom would pour Kool-Aid over ice and melt the butter for popcorn and we'd all sit down to watch Rudolph, Santa Claus is coming to town, Frosty they're all in my childhood and I'll, I'll still sing that Dan Heatmiser, Cold Miser song from You Were Dead of Santa Claus, if I can. Uh, <laughs> but the battles became thinner and less entertaining as time went by, especially those of the Rankin Bass and their trademark stop-motion animation. Uh, can you say Rudolph's Shining New Year? I knew you could. And, and though I had grown I away from I love that one, by the way. Yeah, not so much the, here. Well, I like and, and Big Vulture. She scares me. <laughs> <laughs> Though I'd grown away from them by the time Emmett Otter's Jug Band had a Christmas, you can can't deny how cute those Muppets were. Um, Emmett Otter mm-hmm. is the best Christmas special ever. I mean, the music is so good in it all the way around. And who doesn't love the River Bottom Boys? I mean, they have a metal song <laughs> in the middle of a Christmas special. I mean, it is brilliant. I'm so glad people are rediscovering Emmett Otter's Jug Band yes. Christmas because it, it, it was something I watched religiously. Well, there was a time when you could only get it on HBO, you know, so remember that. I had had a VCR tape where It and Never Say Never Again, the Sean Connery, James Bond movie, played back to back. Nice. That was my... (laughs) Speaking of movies, uh, Christmas movies, like It's a Wonderful Life, Miracle on 34th Street, I Heart, Rattling, 
Even Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, they all had holiday settings. And all of them are part of our culture. And none of these need to be mentioned any further by us tonight. Same as those <laughs> traditional Rankin-Bass offerings. Well, Mrs. Claus, like a Dickens novelella, I'm going to be sending three spirits this evening to talk about my holiday specials. So I guess that makes me Mr. Marley. Hmm. All right. Ghost of Christmas specials past. Star Wars holiday special. Now, something we briefly talked about on Archivists on Tuesday. The next worst special in, of all time is probably Ozzy singing White Christmas with Jessica Simpson. Um, but the Star Wars <laughs> holiday special does feature the on-screen debut of fan favorite Bounty Hunter Boba Fett and highlights how bad a coked-up character can think. Um, <laughs> the Ghost uh, of Christmas specials present. We, we have the unfortunate, honest, to, since we are pulling geek cars, that we both saw that shit first run. And yeah, I, was, I, I was five at the time. So I loved it. I didn't realize how terrible it was till I grew up. You know, I realized how terrible it was as soon as it was over. I looked at my mom and said, man, that sucked. She goes, yeah, it was pretty bad. I wondered, they were advertising Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford were in it for the whole fucking thing. And I was like, they're in it for like five minutes, right? Yeah, and I, I was like, where are they? Instead, we have to deal with grampy and lumpy and <laughs> all these like, you know, who thought – to oh my god it, it, but you know what I love showing other people it's one of those films where you have to show other people it just to make sure they know it exists right it really happened alright we a, gotta move on fish, yeah to the ghost it's, of well, Christmas specials present the ghost right, of Christmas anyway, present specials present brings I us do want to the say naughty Chris, huh? the Christmas carols I did want to mention Christmas carol real quick that the best version of Christmas carol is George C. Scott's version that was on CBS back in the day and they're rerunning it now I think on the Hallmark channel uh, so look it up in your local listings because uh, uh, it's probably the best adaptation of, of Christmas carol my favorite one is the musical Scrooge but there's also and I'm going to post it on the repo nerds probably tomorrow uh, uh, an animated short from the 70s that's black and white and gorgeous and if you're a nerd you should see it because it really is it takes on the spooky of of the story because a lot of people don't you know it, it's a real pagan story even though it's about Christmas uh, you know I, and I love the Christmas carol so anyway, can I talk about the ghost of Christmas specials present then from my list yes yes go ahead it's the naughty list where you belong right now young lady I'm always on the naughty list. Well, this is Brian Keene's short story that's made into a little short movie by Paul Campion, who directed Devil's Rock that came out this year or last year. Um, it's based on Brian Keene's short story, The Sequism That Stole Christmas. And it tells the story of a couple of mob thugs and their encounter with Santa Claus. It's well worth it. Um, and it is on YouTube. So, so go find it out and watch all eight minutes so that you'll love it. All right, no. so we can post that on the sexy witches. I mean, we can post that mm-hmm. on the on the Repo Nerds page as well with a link. Yes. Now, um, for the Ghost of Christmas specials future, well, I'm sorry, Liz, but I have to bring it up. I'm dreaming of a white doomsday. Uh, Mike Lombardo's first feature-length film is the holiday film that will help you feel empathy for your friends that suffer from holiday depression. Because um, that's how you'll feel after watching it. One part The Road, one part Miracle on 34th Street. I'm Dreaming of a White Doomsday is the gift that will keep on giving for years to come, as your friends will remain disturbed whenever they see imagery from the movie in real life. 
Same as me. Uh, now. It, Fuck you, Mike. I still, I still haven't, I haven't still seen it from beginning to end. I've only seen about 20 minutes of it, and that 20 minutes wrecked me. So, uh, you know, uh, it, that 20 it, it's probably the movie. Yeah. I the end of that movie makes I you want to cry. It's sad. It's a sad movie, but it's still worth seeing. And congratulations for Michael Bardo for having an yeah. already early but excellent festival run. And I'm sure look for it in 2018 because it'll be running the festival circuit for sure. Uh, Absolutely. So if you have a chance I, I have, to see it, go see it. Um, bring antidepressants yeah. with you uh, or actually have <laughs> your shrink on speed dial for when you walk out of the screening. Yeah, that's how that movie rolls. Yeah, that's how that movie it, it, rolls. It does. It definitely rolls. So and so, uh, it's ten. It's ten fifty. So that's it. That's the show. Basically, what we do. We're gonna. I'm sad. Movies. Nobody called us. Nobody. I didn't think us they would this time. Us. Everyone's at fucking Star Wars. So and and you're about All to go right. to fucking Star Wars. And yes, I'll I am Star about Wars. to go to fucking Speaking Star Wars. Speaking of Star Wars, shameless plug for your show because I know yes, you're this, doing a spoilerific Star Wars show. Yes, our, our yearly spoilerific Star Wars uh, spoiler review episode of the next cast will be joining us to be on our panel talking about this. Am I right? Uh, if I see the movie, I'm going to try to fit it in Friday or Saturday. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, well, if I uh, see the movie, I will definitely be part of it. Our buddy Mike Darwin um, from Dark Discussions Podcast will be joining us, making his debut on the Necrocasticon. Uh, and we are all panelists on the Scares It Cares panels together, so we all know each other pretty well at this point, so that'll be yeah. fun. Yes, it will be. It'll so, be rather interesting, because Oz won't be there, because he doesn't expect to be able to see the movie. Uh, well, cool. Yep. So, uh, I'm sorry Oz won't be there, but, uh, uh, and if you haven't listened to their previous show, you should go back and do it, because they do do their top 10 of 2017 in film, TV, and music. Uh, Necrocasticon does a he- they're heavy on the music and I, that's why I like the show because it's music and horror with a common connection as they say that's right uh, and, and so we're good about that the next sexy witches episode will be the 23rd which is the day the Oscar nominations drop which is our annual best of 2017 uh, we don't just do horror we do all films but I guarantee you that horror is going to be literally at the top of my list this year uh, it was last year, too. So I think the best and most interesting stuff is coming out in the horror genre right now. Uh, and um, uh, that's it. We're done. It was a great episode. Thank you for Tommy. We'll go on this adventure together. I will watch uh, at least the, the three hours, I promise. But I'm actually going to try to cram the whole season season one in before our, air, our next okay. air date. If you're going to do that, so, now I'm going to advise you to make sure that you watch 33 the first episode of the series immediately after you watch the three-hour miniseries. They go hand okay, in hand. I'll do that. Okay, okay. I'll do that. Take note. Take a note. Okay. Um, um, and is perhaps one of the most winning hours of television in the science fiction genre of all time. It won the Nebula Award. It won Grammy, uh, um, Emmys. It just knocked it out of the park. I have no doubt it's good. I just never fit it in. I was right in the period I didn't have cable, so I didn't see any of it. So, you know, I have cable now, at least for a few more days until they pull the plug on us plug pullers. Uh, you know, fuck, Nick, fuck the FCC once again. <laughs> uh, 
And I also wanted to do one final recommendation for people that don't like Italian horror but want to, like, learn about it without actually seeing it. I would recommend The Editor from 2014. It's a Canadian horror comedy mystery, by, and it's directed – it's from the Astron 6 production uh, distribution company, which is actually very edgy. Uh, it stars Udo Kier, and it is a parody of a giallo. So if you don't want to actually watch the films we talked about tonight, there is uh, modern versions of them out there. You just have to look for it. Don't look for any of the modern Argento movies, though. They all suck. Uh, but once again, thank you, Tommy. We'll be back in January, probably the beginning of January. We'll probably even come on before Sexy Witches, I think. I think we will. I think we will. I think and we until will. then, um, I'm Tom, and you're Liz, and we're to freak out of here. All right. Good night. It's Rainbow Nerds. Find us on Stitcher and iTunes and very soon on Google Play and Spotify. Have a good evening and good film hunting. Repo Nerds is written and produced by Thomas R. Clark and Elizabeth Catherine Gray for Loud Sound Productions and Click and Clack Productions. Music provided by Dan Leedenfield and The Night Keep, used with permission.